Welcome to One Weird Trick, a podcast giving advice for better living. Your hosts, Aaron and Cecily, have zero legal, medical, or psychological qualifications to give advice. Please consider any advice you receive from them as being from well-meaning, but human and imperfect friends. Please consult actual professionals for any serious legal, medical, or mental help you may need. And now, here's Cecily and Aaron. Welcome to One Weird Trick, the show where we exchange tips and tricks among ourselves and with you, the listener, on how we can not just survive, but thrive in these difficult times. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. And we've got a great show today. I know I say that all the time, but I like super You mean it this mean time? It I really mean it. This is this, uh, no half-ass in this podcast because <laughs> we're going to skew our normal format of talking uh, just amongst ourselves about a few weird tricks because we have a special guest. Of course, after we talk to her, we'll get to see what's going on in the old OWT at SwizzBold.com mailbag. But first, Dr. Cynthia Pizzuli has been a listener and occasional contributor to the show. And we recently found out that she is an actual practicing therapist with like degrees and credentials and everything. So we asked her if she would be willing to come on the show and talk to us about relationships and sex from a professional point of view, less of an amateur one. And uh, she's graciously agreed. You can find out about her practice on her website, CynthiaPizzuli.com, and you can follow her on Facebook and Twitter. All of those links will be in the show notes. Dr. Cynthia, welcome to our show. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Oh, it's, uh, this is an honor and a privilege. I, I really appreciate you coming on, uh, you know, finally getting uh, an expert, mm-hmm. an expert to rein us in. Uh, tell us where we're going wrong. Give people the, actual, the, the, the good stuff. Oh, I want her to tell her all the things I'm doing right. Oh, wow. I see. It's, uh... Oh, and I was just about to do that, actually. So funny <laughs> that you should say so, because I, I have to take this moment to tell you how much I appreciate you guys doing this podcast, because it is refreshing to hear this advice that you guys come up with. And every time you say something, I go, see, I was going to say that. <laughs> Well, that's, that's perfect. That's great stuff. Oh, thank you. That's high praise. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. Well, let's get started and talk about uh, your practice, your specialty. Uh, you are a family, marital, couples, individual therapist, but uh, you have some special t- uh, specialities. I, I take it from your website and previous conversations. You want to just kind of clue the audience in to what kind of what kind of therapist are you anyway? Right. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I also have a doctoral degree in clinical social work. And I also happen to be a certified sex therapist. But what you have to know is that there is no license for sex therapy. So um, pretty much anybody can be a sex therapist. You know, you can just put up a shingle, Cecily, if you decide you want to call yourself a sex therapist. And you can and pretty I will. much do <laughs> do that kind of treatment. I feel like um, there's, some, though, there's some kind of joke, like a double O license for sex, a triple X license <laughs> for sex. License for sex. <laughs> Um, I mean, hopefully you're going to see somebody if they say they're a sex therapist that also either is a licensed mental health counselor or Mm. psychologist or like me, a licensed clinical social worker. And there is an organization called ASECT, which I highly recommend um, to your listeners if they're ever looking for resources. It's the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors and Therapists. And How? they do certifications. That's where my certification is. What's that? What's that acronym again? ASEC. A S. ASECT dot org. Uh, and that's A S E C T. It's double A. Uh huh. Sex. Uh huh. E C T. Okay. 
dot org. Cool. I'll put those in a really good resource. I'll put those in the show notes as well for people to to have resources. It seems like you know um, we get a fair amount of questions as as you've observed about uh, sex and relationships. Um, what what is uh, what what goes into being a sex therapist? Well, if you want to get certified by ASECT, there is a decent amount of continuing education that you do have to have. Um, you do have to have a, a master's degree in a related field. Uh, one of the things that we do do, um, which is really amazing, is we go through what's called a SAR. It's a Sexual Attitudes Reassessment. And what it does is we are desensitized and basically trying to, you know, explore all of our biases about sex um, so that we are prepared to work with the range of sexuality in the human condition. So, you know, I actually have to sit through video content and traumatic um, content that will help me be more um, attuned and um, sensitive to whatever my patients are going to present in practice. Uh. So uh, that is really what um, is like the meat and potatoes of this kind of certification is that, you know, a lot of folks are just not prepared to have conversations about the full range of sexuality. Um, and, you know, I think that's what's wonderful about um, the training that I've had is that I think it makes me much more understanding to things that like the lay person wouldn't necessarily be as comfortable talking about. Right. What? What are some of the most common problems people will see you for? Okay, so I'm going to tell you the most common reason that someone calls me for therapy. And that is couples call me because of sexless marriage. Mm -hmm. They come in because they're not having fulfilling sex. It's the dead Or they're not having it at all, right? I I call it lost on planet Plutonia. (laughs) Okay, that's what I say. You're, you're, you're stuck in this platonic relationship. Yeah, it was great when you first met. It was really exciting. But that kind of eroticism wanes over time. And folks are like, how do we get it back? And what do we do? Um, we love each other. We want to be together. We have this great relationship. But we're just not having sex. Or one partner is really upset that they're not having enough sex. And the other one's like, yeah, uh, maybe I want to work on that. Maybe I don't. So that's the number one reason that I get calls. So what is the what do you think is the the biggest thing today that kind of keeps people from having that? uh, What is that barrier to intimacy or happiness uh, for people in relationships? Well, first of all, the reason that people even need to come to see me is one reason, and that's avoidance and denial. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's avoiding dealing with the problem for long periods of times and being in denial about the problem for long periods of time. And things just don't get fixed on their own. So, you know, maybe we haven't had sex for a month, then we haven't had sex for three months, and we really never talk about it. And then we let the problem get worse and worse. It's like a cancer that grows in a relationship. So that's why they need help, because they didn't bother to try to deal with it sooner. Um, in, In particular, people have their blueprints about sexual intimacy and eroticism, and they don't share it with their partners. They don't talk about it. Mm. Mm. 
Lack That's of what's so great about this podcast. Yeah. People yeah. are thinking about things and talking about things they wouldn't normally talk about. Is there like um is is there a common thing that people like uh come and present to you with? Like are there they're common issues or are they just like um I mean it all comes down, like you said, uh what was it, avoidance and uh denial. But like what what do you find are there common things that people are in avoidance or denial about here in the twenty first century American life? I think they're in denial about the extent to which they are either attracted to their partners or that they're mm. able to identify um, what it is they really want sexually. They're not they're, they're afraid to tell their partners about it. And so maybe their level of eroticism is higher um, than their partner. And so they're not getting turned on the way they need to be. Mm. Um, and what happens is we, we live in a society that's obsessed with sex, but we're also just as ashamed of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's 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 just very difficult for people to talk about their sexual, or what I call their erotic blueprints. Hmm. What I, is it that turns you on? Yeah, I mean, I can I can't speak for everybody, but speaking for myself, like I grew up in a pretty repressive, um, you know, community uh, where sex wasn't really dis- discussed much, or if it was, it was kind of like discussed in terms of like, oh, it's great, yeah, but it's kind of also dutiful and all these other things and <laughs> specific sex acts that you would talk about. I mean, there was there's ones that I knew were definitely frowned upon, but like you know, actually. You know, how do you turn something to someone on, or how do you appeal to them sexually? That's that's something that really people thought about. It's like, uh, you know, well, if it's all if it all works, it just, just should just work. It should be easy. Um, that and, and and as a result, uh, like you said, it seems like there was a lot of kind of like shame and denial and 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 not wanting to explore things and and uh, figure out frictions. Um, how how's, yeah. wh- wh- how how do people get out of those cycles? Yeah, I mean, I'm all about prevention, so I do want to say that it doesn't help that we don't teach young people how to have sexual pleasure. You know, mm. don't talk to our daughters, for instance, and say, so, do you know what an orgasm is? Do you know how to feel it? Do you know what pleasure is? We don't do that. That's just, that's a no-no. You're not allowed to talk to young people about sex, right? Mm-hmm. So how do they learn about how to have intimacy? Through the internet, from their friends. Um, and a lot of people are having what I call a lot of non-sex because they don't really know how to have sexual intimacy that's fulfilling and it's an epidemic, you know, and I shouldn't complain because it's keeping me in business, but, um, at at the end of the day, you know, you keep those things you learn from early on in life and they stick with you for a long period of time. So coming into it later in life, right now, how do I help fix something that's been kind of, um, kind of burnt in since early on, right? Um, first, I have to talk to, to try to desensitize people to the language of sex. Um, kind of get them used to using terminology and the language and, and being able to identify, well, what is a sexual fantasy? And mm-hmm. also take away the shame about having sexual thoughts and having um, ideas about sex. And so it just starts with a dialogue. Do you have uh, examples of words that people are afraid of that you get that you use to well, loosen them up? Yeah, I mean, first, the, and the first thing I talk about, Cecily, is I talk about the difference between fantasy and reality. Ah, um, fo- folks are afraid if they're thinking about something erotic that somehow it means that they want to do it in reality, or like if they say, "Oh." I'm really turned on by the idea of having sex with, you know, two guys at mm. the same time. That if I tell my partner that, that he's going to think that he's not enough. And so mm. therefore, mm. I can't tell him because it means that 
this fantasy is real or, um, you know, I want to be tied up and, and beaten, but, but I only want to just fantasize about it. If I tell him he's going to think I'm a degenerate. Uh, that probably doesn't help that a lot of times when you tell, if you do get the gumption to tell your partner about this, this fantasy is a lot of times you do get the reaction that you're fearing because they're, they, they are worried like, Oh my God, I'm not enough. Or, Oh my God, my partner's a freak. Uh, yeah. Which leads me that. to the next thing, which is really important. And that's tolerating injuries. Hmm. It's extremely important to have a thicker skin when you're trying to have a healthy relationship. And this is just not about sex. This is about relationships in general. Huh. You, you, you've got to be able to hear the truth of what your partner's experiencing without taking it personally. Hmm. And folks are very easily wounded and injured um, by the um, subjective experiences of the partners, whether it be sexual or otherwise. No, I mean, I definitely jives with my experience. Like, I, I don't know how many times I've heard uh, it said, um, even amongst friends of mine, of like uh, relationships going fine. And then they start talking about their past sex life. And then you find out, oh, my God, this person's had sex with. I thought they might have sex like, you know, a, a normal amount of, of people like me, <laughs> like three or five people. But that, damn, they've been with 25 people. What does that even mean? What is uh, and they just start spiraling like that. Um yeah, I mean, people people get really um, concerned. Well, we know that they get concerned about their sexual performance and whether they're good enough. And, and that goes to a whole other thing of people being so afraid that if they're not good in bed or they're not able to fulfill their partners, that they're going to cheat. They're going uh. to leave them. Um, you know, it, it actually happens to be um, a worrying trend, quite frankly, this societal belief that everyone cheats. Yeah, is that is because is that not well founded? Because I feel like that. Um, uh, I, I don't know what are what are the current statistics about the people cheating and whatnot. You know, I don't have the numbers. I don't love statistics because unless I can actually quote the actual. Oh right, right. You know, it's it's. Gonna, but I will tell you that my experience, and this is thirty years of being a therapist, mm-hmm. couples therapist, being an individual couples family therapist, sex therapist, people don't cheat as much as you think they're cheating Mm. they're not when people are in a fulfilling loving mature relationship when they have realistic expectations of that relationship and what they want they're not cheating they're not they love their partner Mm. they're not doing that so it's 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 starting someone off with an a instead of an f so do you you think that people like then uh because this fear of cheating does it become like a self-fulfilling prophecy like if you get in the i in Mm -hmm. your head the idea that oh this person's cheating on me then that you know obviously you start having negative feelings about them which then expresses in your life which then cools down your sex life which then feeds back into that i'm being cheated on is that kind of how the the thing spirals exactly how it spirals you totally get it that's exactly what ends up happening it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and and you push your partner away um, or you sabotage the relationship. And that depends on your, your relationships growing up and what you learned about love and what you love, learned about mature love. Um, so you may already be a sabota- saboteur, you know, someone who has a tendency to sabotage relationships mm. um, by pushing people away so that you, the stakes, you're afraid of having stakes too high because you lose a lot. You have to be vulnerable, right? If you're dating and you're with somebody and, and you really care about them, you risk getting hurt, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, how how do you how do you fireproof yourself against something like that? Because I mean, I, that's that's the thing that I was always, um, you know, when I went through my therapy, one of my goals is like, you know, I, I got a lot of 
I got a lot of stupid shit going on in my life. I want to make sure I get that sorted. So when I, f- I find somebody, I'm not going to drive them crazy or drive them away. Um, how how do people kind of fireproof themselves against those those common pitfalls? Or well, first, I don't think you can. I, th- I think mm. you have to accept that you know we're going to make mistakes in relationships, and we try our best. We we try to be the best versions of ourselves, but there are times when our insecurities or whatever it is that tends to sabotage us are going to creep up. You just have to have more insight and awareness when it's happening. So I think that, first of all, giving yourself a break. You know, dating is hard. Mm-hmm. Being in relationships is, is like, there's a lot at stake. We want to be loved. People are people seeking. We don't want to be alone. We want to be with somebody. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think if you are willing to uh, kind of be introspective and, 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 and actually just talk about whatever ever it is you're afraid of and whatever it is you're feeling without testing, without game playing. I mean, we can always go on to a whole other, uh, uh, you know, segue into game playing because, <laughs> I mean, you how long are you guys together? Eight years. Yeah. Married for four. Okay, married for four, together eight. So you're not that long out of dating where you forget it, you know, but if you sure. remember, it, it's, there's a lot of game playing that goes along. You know, it's because yeah. it's you have to protect yourself, right, from getting hurt. So you want to make sure the person really, you know, means what they're saying and says what they mean. How do you take them at face value? How do you know they really feel what the, the way they say that they're, they're feeling about you? Mm. Um, I, I think that if we took people at face value and really asked them how they were feeling and were honest about what we were expecta- expecting, um, we have a better opportunity of not getting hurt because we have realistic expectations do, do you think with this cheating thing um this is something that i've been thinking about lately is how much cheating? of no <laughs> <laughs> i knew it <laughs> damn it uh, uh do, do you think this cheating thing because i feel like um a lot of times the reason that uh, people fear about cheating is because they see that cheating is something it's like their fault and i, I don't know if this is as yeah. equal concern mm-hmm. with with women as men but like you know, there's this this like when if if you get cheated on and you're a man, it's like well you're 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 less than like if you were a real man or if you were doing this that and the other, you wouldn't have been cheated on. Whereas like if we saw like um well you know cheating can happen to anybody. Yeah. And Jay-Z you know cheats on Beyonce. What hope do the rest of us have? Yeah. Like and and instead <laughs> of being like you know well fuck the cheaters or like you know well they just you know it's 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 this weird kind of like self victimization yeah. victim blaming. You know. All right, so I have to just say this, okay? It just, I'm just—it's not politically correct that I'm gonna say it. If if someone is cheating, it's not a healthy relationship. Oh yeah, what? Mm-hmm. That's not a divisive right? opinion. Yeah, we are both yeah. like bracing. Like, oh my god, what's what gonna say? So, so it, it isn't normal. It's dysfunctional. It's it's not okay. It's it's not just people are cheating because something is not healthy in the relationship, and so the relationship. It was it was white ripe. Someone's ripe for the picking. Then you know, as I like to say, you know, it it was going to happen because the, there's no real commitment. There's no real promise. I call it a promise. I don't like commitment, but there's no promise between two people that I'm with you because you're the one who completes me. Mm. You're the reason I'm I'm here because you completely. I'm I'm I, I'm I'm all on board. We've made a contract that we're going to only be with each other, and that's where I want to be. If there's cheating, there's a lot more going on. 
Yeah. And, and a lot of folks are like, oh, my God, it's just because I don't give good blowjobs. He's going to leave me. Um, that That's not that's ridiculous. That's that's not why people are, are cheating. It, it's it's much more complicated than that. And it's funny. Everyone wants to talk about cheating. Whenever I do an interview, everyone wants to talk about cheating. It's a favorite topic. Uh, so you see a lot of couples. Do you see any individuals for sex therapy specifically? The Believe it or not, the um, when someone is calling for individual um, sex therapy, it's usually the men. I have a very large percentage oh. of males in my practice. And uh, the good news which is a really, I guess, positive trend, is that you see more men seeking uh, psychotherapy, I think, than we have in the past. That is nice. Uh, but one of the things that will definitely get a man into therapy is if stuff ain't working in the sex department. Hmm. I see. So, yeah, how does that um, present? Yeah, well, if a single yeah. guy comes in and be like, I got something busted in my sex, what do I do? What, what, what is that yeah. thing? Um, it is unfortunate, but if a man has one night when stuff isn't working exactly the way it's supposed to work. Oh, you're talking about physical right dysfunction. Okay, yeah, okay. Either physical. Well, that would be the number one. I had a uh, moment. I wasn't able to maintain an erection. I think uh, it's a disaster. They catastrophize the entire thing. Mm. Uh, and I'll get a call for that. Uh, I'll get calls from men because they realize that they're um, not feeling sexually um, attracted to their, let's say, long-term partner. Mm -hmm. um, men will come in because they think that I'm going to somehow um, be able to convince their partners <laughs> that something's wrong with them. So they'll come and see me first mm -hmm. and then say, I want you to talk to my wife. <laughs> I'm like, ah, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah. Um, guys got to come in together. Okay, you know, she's got to want to be here. Yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, um, I think that um, – People come in alone because they think something's wrong with them. And 99.9% .9 of the time, there isn't anything wrong with them. And um, people are very quick to, to think they're defective. And like I'll have people come in with fetishes or they have things, you know, you've got to stop me from feeling this way. I don't want to want it, want this. Mm. Or I feel like I have a sex addiction. That's mm. a big one. I'm constantly, you know, using porn. Mm. And the thing that I mostly do is I try to normalize it. You know, like mm -hmm. you can't be the only person who loves fantasizing about sex with a fat with, you know, while you're being tickled with a feather here. Right. Here's my computer. I'm going to Google it for you. There's 16,235,822 uh, hits on that. <laughs> yeah. And shame is su such a I mean, that's such a toxic thing. It's at the root of so many uh, so so many so many things. Yeah, they said that there's this new movie coming out, Dune, it's based on a book, and there's this whole litany yes. against fear, or the fear is the mind killer, right. et cetera. But I feel like shame, shame is really the mind yeah. killer. It's yeah. the one shame that really... Shame is a mind killer. I love that. That is true. Yeah. Uh, sh shame. And um, shame is shame is different than guilt. Okay. Hmm. Guilt, guilt is, you know, because if you do something that's wrong and it's, it's, you feel bad about it, you can feel guilty that you did it. And you take responsibility if you're a healthy human being and you try to remedy the situation, you try to make amends, whatever it is you do. But shame, that's a much deeper seated type of feeling state. Um, mm. It is an overall sense of um, defectiveness and worthlessness that uh, you know can be very um, pervasive. And 
it is, it is a lot of reason that people do yeah. come in for therapy in general. Yeah, I see that like, like guilt is could be like I've done something wrong and I need to be accountable for it, where a shame is I am wrong yeah, and I need to change something fundamental about myself or I'll never be good. And sometimes when you're talking about changing things that are, you know, when you're talking about your base level sex drive and who you are, that like that, those, I don't know. It seems like when I think back, uh, you know, I don't want to get too off in the weeds about my personal kinks and whatnot, but like some of that <laughs> stuff, like I can t- draw back to like weird, you know, just like weird shit I saw on TV when I was seven years old, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. or like uh, some, some, you know, uh, the, some cartoon mouse got tied up on a train track and like, Ooh, that, that, that that's what makes, <laughs> makes me feel funny. Uh, like, I feel like it's some of that stuff is, is like, and if you, if you waste time, like feeling bad about it or feeling like, Oh God, that's, that's something wrong with me. Um, yeah, only bad things can happen of it. Yeah, and it doesn't help if you were told that things were wrong about you. Sure. You know, or you know, especially if you're a victim of any kind of um, inappropriate sexual content with family members or you're molested or you're a victim of sexual abuse. I mean, the messages that you were given about that, you know, they are pretty deep-seated. It's extremely difficult to shake them. Um, you know, hopefully you get some good therapy to, to deal with it. But it, it, it really, you bring that into uh, intimate relationships it's part of that blueprint that I was referring to before. Again, that's just the thing I say. It's called, I call it as an erotic or sexual blueprint. And if you don't um, share that information with your partner, um, your partner may inadvertently um, trigger them mm. because they may not know about what it is you're, you're associating certain activity with, let's say. Um, or, or you, you may have a desire or you may have pleasure over something that actually happened during that type of, of content that you had that you know, may be perceived as you know, abusive or it was molestation. And it's still part of your erotic blueprint. And then you feel guilty about that and shameful mm. about that. Uh, Cynthia, for people like myself who have experienced some kind of trauma, do you have any thoughts or or encouragement or recommendations you can make them if you know to seek help from a professional like you or things that they can do to uh to handle it and deal with it especially if that's become part of their like you said sexual blueprint you know erotic blueprint Uh, or a lot erotic blueprint sorry so so first of all the very first thing that i tell anybody who's um a victim of any kind of um sexual abuse or molestation is um, we talk about what the actual definition of sex is. And the, the actual definition of sex is anything intended for one's own sexual pleasure and arousal. Anything intended for one's own sexual pleasure and arousal. So if you were a victim of any kind of abuse, that may have been intended for their sexual pleasure and arousal, but it wasn't intended for yours. So you really didn't have sex. And so that's good news because... Now you can redefine what sex is for you. And the sex that you're going to have with your partner is going to be real sex, not non-sex, as I call it. It's being able to find the thing that makes you feel pleasurable and sharing that with your partner. And it, it doesn't have to be about what happened to you in the past because that wasn't sex. That wasn't healthy. So most folks actually feel relieved when I tell them that. They go, oh, okay. So Mm. I'm not broken sexually. I'm like, Mm. no, you're not. Because that wasn't sex. Yeah. Um, That was for the benefit of the perpetrator. Hmm. 
It's interesting framing because, like, if you imagine if we define sex as, like, uh, you know, intimate contact and then you had some people defining, like, getting beat up as sex because of that, then it's like, that's clearly uh, not 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 the case and that's it's it's interesting to reframe it as like well that's not even it's not even sex um no, it's not is and, and that, a lot is violence not sex so is sex work other. is sex work sex like that's what the other thing the natural oh. uh because like uh it does like you know if it's if it's crucial to it's your sexual pleasure and if it's just a job and you know if you're just giving like handies and blowies you know is that is that actually sex no the answer is no based interesting on that definition nope and that person is not having sex with their they're not having sex the partner is having sex hmm. now if you like presume if you're a sex worker because i've heard that some sex workers and like really enjoy the work is but that, then, then they're that, having sex and you're know, getting paid for them. It's subjective. You, you're getting paid for doing something you love which is don't have to work right. a day in your life that's the, that's that's the, <laughs> exactly. that's the dream that's the dream <laughs> that's the dream you're living the dream then Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, if, 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 if I'm in a marriage and my partner really wants a blowjob and, um, you know, I'm really not in the mood and I'm not really intending it for my own arousal. I don't really feel like getting off tonight. But, you know, I really love him. He really likes it. Okay, so I'm going to do give him a blowjob. I'm not having sex. He's having sex. I'm consenting to helping him have sexual mm. pleasure. But I'm not having sex. Interesting. I, I wonder if that because I, I don't know. I, I that that might help some guy because I, I feel like um, and this is especially on the internet. Uh, there's so much shame in having a partner that's involved in sex work, and paradoxically, more and more people are getting into sex work mm-hmm. because it's easier and easier mm. with all these, you know, especially online. But like, if you could reframe it, it's because like a lot of especially guys, I feel like, although I imagine you know a lot of women would be bothered by it too. Like, oh my god, my uh, this this woman, uh, this person's had sex with hundreds or thousands of people. It's like, well, no. If 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 it's if we're talking about their sexual pleasure, um, that wouldn't be the case. So, well, because that, and that's the most threatening thing, right? Like, if you're in a relationship with someone and you know they're getting turned on by somebody else, and you don't have a a, a contract where you guys are, you know, polyamorous or you know, open to having sexual intimacy with other partners mm-hmm. it's it's the fact that they're turned on or aroused or having pleasure that's the threat you know that right. feels like a rejection right right um so yeah in the case that you're giving if this is what person's job is then most likely they're not experiencing that arousal it's not intended for their arousal and they're not experiencing sexual arousal pleasure or huh. orgasm hmm. yeah so kind of along those like same lines, if you are a partner who's giving sexual pleasure to your partner and it's not sex, uh, do you have recommendations for when your sex drive just doesn't line up? Yeah. I mean, since that's the like meat and potatoes of a lot of the work I'm doing these days, um, you know, it, for, first of all, I think we need to take away the emphasis so much on sex. I think sex is great. I'm obviously a sex therapist, so I think sex is wonderful. I think everyone should enjoy it and have fun if they want it. And, um, you know, sexual drive does ebb and flow through the rela- through the life cycle. And I think you guys uh, talked about that in a previous podcast. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're going through a, a time where you're not really feeling that sexual uh, and your partner really wants to have sex, that's difficult for a couple. It's difficult for a marriage. It's difficult for a couple. Um, but to my point from before is if you get injured by it and get wounded by it and take it personally, 
then that's just going to create more non-sexual problems in your marriage and in your relationship. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes couples come in that the sexual problem is causing the non-sex problems and the non-sexually related problems are causing the sexual problem, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you're fighting all the time about, you know, who's doing the dishes and then you don't want to have sex with each other because you're just feeling like unappreciated, unloved and undesired. And some folks are not having sex at all, so they don't want to do the dishes. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to get laid. I ain't going to do your dishes. So. It's a protest. General strike. Protest. <laughs> right. Um, and, and either way, if you love somebody and you really want to be with them, you're going to have to find a way to tolerate the ebbs and flows in uh, sexual um, willingness and desire. Uh, willingness is very important because uh, having the willingness to become aroused and, and have pleasure is actually how I help people understand the sexless um, marriage so or sexless relationship you don't have to be married to have this problem uh i'll say listen you know everyone thinks they're just going to get turned on you know they're just supposed to be you know just thinking about having sex but sometimes we have to just get in the mindset and we have to find the erotic and the platonic it's like you're full of great catchphrases yeah yeah, no kidding uh (laughs) oh you like that (laughs) the erotic and the platonic do you do you find we talked a lot of like about negative things in this conversation so far um like negative trends uh things in society we haven't even talked about the big one if i was a single person um trying to meet somebody today i would be Mm -hmm. worried about how the hell do you even do that in a safe way but what are the any positive trends? And, and maybe this year is hard to find one, but like generally in the in the last five years or so or the decade, what what do you see as a sex therapist and as a marital therapist? What are the positive trends in society that you're seeing that are helping people find love and make those connections? Um, so I love the fact that there's a lot more erotic material available to people that they can actually explore their sexuality. Um, and not have to like look for just the magazine that's behind the toilet, you know, in their dad's, you know, bathroom. Okay. Okay. I don't know why Secret I said catalog. it was in the dad's bathroom. <laughs> I had one behind mine. So um, <laughs> I, I think that um, the openness to people's um, uh, sexual orientation and like, I guess, gender fluidity, fluidity and the idea that um, there is... Um, less judgment i think about people's sexuality is is very important especially sexual orientation i think that things have definitely improved for trans you know lgbtqia um folk which i do work a lot with in my practice as well Mm. so that that's a very positive trend like the young people now you know they're more open to it um you know i happen to have a 16 year old which also is very complicated when you're a sex therapist right and (laughs) sure you know your, your your kid's you know, emerging sexuality, and I have no problem talking about sex. And you know, she'll bring her friends over, and, and like, you know, if you have any sex questions, you know, you can ask my mom. <laughs> you know, she'll answer them for it. Um, so, um, but the, the, you know, she she'll say say things about how you know, oh, she just found out her friend was gay, or she just found out her friend friend was bi, and people are just not as hostile about it or uh, bullying about it as they used to be. That's one of the most positive trends I see in sexuality in general. That's great. Uh, That said, um, I know you wanted to stay positive, uh, but unfortunately, uh, I don't think that the um, excessive use of social media and um, kind of, uh, you know, the tindery stuff and the way people are meeting people online is really a positive necessarily for intimacy. Hmm. I don't think it sets up really... um, 
things have changed in how you meet someone, you know, how you start a relationship. It used to be that you had to meet someone in person first, right? Yeah, and it's like, it's funny, because I would have thought that the internet would have changed things for the better, because I was, as I got out of the dating pool was the rise of kind of Tinder. But like, I use sites like OkCupid, where there was like some kind of, you know, question answered, you got like some kind of match score, and you got the, you know, the emphasis on kind of a profile and things like that. Whereas uh, Tinder just seems like, it's bad on both directions. As a man, yeah. it's uh, a wasteland of just hoping to swipe and get someone to swipe back and so much rejection and so much. And as a woman, mm-hmm. it's just uh, getting thrown a bucket of dicks at you constantly all the time. Um, yeah. And it's just it's yeah, I, I like I said, I, I'm pretty ignorant of that. Like I, I'm. When I talk to the fr- my friends that are in it, I just hear about like all of the the problems and and uh, uh, at what it causes. But uh, yeah, I mean, even when you did OK Cupid, Aaron, I mean, you you were going out on dates. You could meet somebody true. on that. Then you would go and meet them in person. And if you had chemistry, you had chemistry, and you went from there, and you get to know somebody, and you're like, yeah, hey, I kind of like them. And then you date them for a while, and like then. Like after the year, because the first year doesn't count anyway. We know that, right? That's just a waste, right? It's the second year, <laughs> that's the one where you know whether you're going to really want to be with somebody. Hmm. So you get past all that. But so, now, okay. No, it's no, it's a problem with Tinder that people are are just like that is like they literally just meet for sex and that's it. Because I guess I thought that Tinder was like, yeah, that, but also you kind of, I, I don't know. I, I think that's the intention. Like, I think it has a, 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 a it doesn't have that a negative intention, but it ends up being used that way. Like, like people really, a lot of people, they want to find someone. They want, they, it's, there's a lot of loneliness out there. There's a lot of people that can't find love. And they, that's the only place to find them. So they're, they're looking on Tinder. That, but all right, I'm really, I think I'm attracted to this person. And by the way, how do you know you're really attracted to somebody by just their photo? But apparently sure. that's enough. And then, you know, you have all this expectations on it because now you talk for a while and you feel like you know the person and you create this whole virtual, like, love, potential, excitement thing. And then you meet with them. And it never goes as planned. You know, it's, it's not exactly what you thought. Um, then you feel uh, and then you feel rejected if they don't like you or if they don't call you again or you feel like you owe them sex because it was on ten- Tinder right because there is a belief system that somehow that if you're on Tinder now you, it just means that you know you're, you're you're teasing someone if you don't actually have sex with them when you meet hmm. up with them hmm. so there's that too I'm hearing this all the time from from my my single patients that come in and I do have a lot of people who are coming to see me because they're depressed because they're alone hmm. yeah uh, yeah, it, it's it's hard Especially, to find. Yeah, nowadays, good lord. Yeah, and I always say, listen, it isn't your fault. It is really hard to find someone nowadays, and let's not even throw in the COVID problem because this was hard before COVID. Yeah. And now you know you have to be socially distant. How do you meet somebody? Um, and the numbers—it's a numbers game too. They say that you know I don't know the statistics, but if you can't find somebody who's going to be your lifelong companion, if that's what you're looking for. Um, either in high school or in college if you're so lucky to go to college or in your first workplace environment where you're around a lot of people, statistically, your numbers are going to go down because how many people are you going to have contact with Mm. that you're going to be able to meet? Mm -hmm. Right. So you have to go online. You have to meet people that way. There's no other way where you're going to meet them in the grocery store, in the deli. Right. That's the fancy, the meet cute, right? Yeah. 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 The meet cute. 
the yeah, you have to deli over to salami. It's the meat cute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I keep seeing the same time every day, and he orders the same sandwich. You know, <laughs> that's great if you can do that. And I, I do. I tell people like they're like, some people. I go to meet people. I say, well, go to Home Depot at like eight in the morning. All the contractors are there. You know, that's where they are, and ask for some help. We can't find a washer. You know, that that's how you meet people. But you have to put people in a place where there's other people. I don't know if I could make use of that advice. I think if I went uh, 8 a.m. to Home Depot, I wouldn't I wouldn't find what I was looking for. And not many people would want to help me with my dishwasher. Uh, <laughs> but uh, You never know, Aaron. I'm telling you. I had a, a lot of patients of mine, they've met people in, in Home Depot. Or, you know, it used to be, so it used to be the library. You can't meet anyone or the bookstore. They closed all the bookstores. Mm-hmm. You, you can't meet anyone there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to find love. And, and it is sad because people are people seeking. And you, you unfortunately, it's hard to be happy if you're alone. Yeah. Uh, so, Dr. Cynthia, you know, this is uh, one weird trick. Uh, you're the expert. What is your best or weirdest trick for either finding someone um, rekindling sex, uh, whatever, whatever it is across your discipline. What's your, your what's your best weirdest trick? All right. Well, first, I'm gonna. I have two two subjects here. One is to have more fulfilling intimacy, and the other is for for singles. So I, ha- I have I have a trick for singles. Two weird if tricks. You, yes. Yeah. Well, I have du- a, double your money. Party, party, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So singles. Look, when you go in on a date or you're trying to meet people, you have to go on a date like you're Jane Goodall. Okay, Jane Goodall is like the gorilla in the midst person, you know, she she observed Mm -hmm. the gorillas, you know, she watches the gorillas, you know, how are they acting? And then she becomes part of, you know, you you, you can't make it about you. You've got to go on the date and learn about your part, about the person you're on the date with. You're there to learn about someone else. All right. To make them feel special, to make them feel interested um, interesting, you know, to you, 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 you've got to make them feel like it's all about them. And a lot of people, when they're going on dates, they're just so self-conscious and everything, they make everything about themselves. Mm. And if you, if you go there, like it's a social experiment, and you're just there to have fun and just there to find out about someone. And then later on, you're going to decide whether this person is really, you know, your cup of tea. Um, that is actually a successful date. So I think that you have to have a little more fun going on a date and just pretend you are, you know, like a social scientist. It's a good way because I'm a big advocate of like divorcing attachment to outcome to doing a thing. And like that's a fun uh, thought experiment. It's like, oh, I'm going to be Diane Fossey or Jane Goodall. And I'm just going to see what this ape is all about. It's not going to be a goal of like, I want to bed them or I want to, they're going to be my husband and wife forever. Just you want to anthropologize them. (laughs) That's okay. Good trick. Good trick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's what's your number two? So re- relationships, um, and again, I do a lot of couples therapy, you know, that maybe sex is not the presenting problem and that people are just, you know, hating on each other. They're just having a lot of stress. They, they don't listen. They're not, not hearing each other. They're, they're um, miserable. Um, you you got to get a Sharpie. You got to get out a Sharpie and you got to write on your hand, it's not all about me. Okay, you've got to do that. You've got to remember that whatever is happening in the relationship, your your partner comes home, he's had a bad day, he's really upset, you don't know what happened, give him the benefit of the doubt. That's the tool. And realize that whatever is going on, it's not probably about me, probably just having a bad day. And maybe I need to stop getting so injured. And I have to have more empathy. And empathy is the most important 
trick is trying to understand what the other person is feeling even when you're angry, even when you're feeling hurt, even when you're sad, even when your partner is shouting all sorts of like vulgarities and is frustrated and angry, is to say, so what it sounds like to me is that you're really upset because you had a really bad day today. That is a really good trip. Hmm. Stop making it all about you. And then also write on your hand, shut the fuck up. (laughs) 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 SPFU. I love it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, those are good tricks. Um, Before I let you go, I know you're licensed in New York. So everyone who wants to learn more can't go see you, unfortunately. But I'm wondering if you have any good recommendations for reading and independent research that we can all do. Yeah, you you didn't, you didn't you recommend Come as You Are? Yes. Was that in the last? That's a really good book. Mm-hmm. So I, I I double that. And uh, there's that book, um, the Love Languages book by Chapman, um, is a really good book for helping couples really try to understand um, their definition of um, what your partner needs, uh, and so you don't feel so um, like something's wrong with you. You're just a person who just needs to have love shown to you in a different way. Uh, I think that's an excellent book. I always recommend that. And believe it or not, um, Gray's book, um, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. I don't think you mentioned it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I mean, I that's, that's, a cla- up? that's like a classic, right? I feel like that was uh, uh, one. Yeah, um, that was being that was being mentioned when I was a kid, and what you know, like uh, uh, that's like a mom, and, my mom and dad's era, kind of. Yeah. So, what are you saying, Aaron? I'm a uh, no, I'm just saying it's a classic. Huh? I'm yeah. saying it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm vintage. It's it's vintage, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> vintage. It's vintage. Is that a yeah, healthy I, fetish? Pulling vintage things out of one's <laughs> at, yeah. <laughs> Use lots yeah, of lube, glow slow, go slow. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I think some of those classics are really good. I mean, we didn't really talk about, you know, we kind of were alluding to all these uh, kind of um, opposite gender or heterosexual relationships. Um, but even, even a, a book like that can help people understand a little bit more, not just about their partner, but about themselves and um, why they think and feel the way they do. And it makes sense. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's why I do it because, you know, oh, that's normal. Oh, a lot of women are like that or a lot of men are like that. Okay. Uh, and, and then people don't catastrophize their relationships so much, which, which is really it too. It's like, oh, fight all the time. You, of course you fight. All people fight in their relationships. All people have ups and downs. You know, it's, 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 it's all good. It's all good. Love's good. Marriage is good. Yeah. Let's, uh, good. Le- le- let's leave it on a positive note then uh dr <laughs> cynthia thanks for coming on uh if i i guess i'd like to encourage people if uh, they have some questions um you know that uh may, it, first of all i guess if, if, if this has been a pleasant enough experience maybe you can come on in future and maybe we can uh, uh get some questions directed your way on the next one or maybe we, we can you can sit in on our question and answer on the next time Oh, that's my forte. I love to answer questions. That's 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 great. We can do that. And it's been a real uh, lot of fun for me. No, like it, I said, you don't have to twist my arm to talk about sex. <laughs> <laughs> no, we appreciate you coming on. It's we've really enjoyed your contributions to the show thus far, and it's just uh, it's a real treat having you on. You're very welcome. 
Thanks once again to Dr. Cynthia Pizzuli for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun to talk to her, and we hope to have her back on. I'm a sex therapist now. I, that's right. Just hang your shingle out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wet-ass shingle. <laughs> uh, we now, but now, but now, it's time for the advice segment. So if you have a thorny issue that you're dealing with, uh, if you'd like to comment about our weird tricks or share one with the community, or if you have a question for the good doctor, perhaps, mm-hmm. perhaps we could forward that on to her or maybe get her back on with her response. Regardless, all that stuff, please send it to OWT, standing for one weird trick, OWT at SwizzBold.com. What do we got, Cecily? All right. Our first one, it was actually uh, one of two people who sent this feedback in. Uh, this is from Revenge of the Pickle. Oh, the pickle strikes back. Yeah. I listened to the answers for the Pornhub question on both One Weird Trick and Lunch, and I could not understand how you didn't mention the possibility that this is revenge porn. I'm an amateur, man. You know, yeah. we're, we're innocent people. Our minds don't go there. Yeah, we would never. Yeah, you don't just suspect the worst of people. But yeah, I, honestly, <laughs> yeah, there's it more to the should, email. It should have. It should have been something I, I we thought about. Yeah. yeah. It seems so much more likely that this content has been posted without her consent with the express goal of embarrassing her. I don't know how to gently raise this with her because it's likely to be traumatic for her to find out she said intimate content posted without her consent. Or it might not even be her. The writer said he didn't see her face. It could be content being linked to her name by a malicious ex-lover who wants people to find it. Maybe the best solution is to raise it with a coworker by telling a white lie about Googling her name and seeing the link. The writer should not acknowledge watching the content unless he wants to be unemployed. If this has all happened without the woman's consent, this may be something that causes her to avoid anyone she associates with this in the future, including the writer. She'd be the primary victim here, and she'll need to do what she can to process that violation. The writer may have just stumbled into a big mess with no easy solution. Ain't that the life? Ain't that the truth? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know about the whole unemployment thing and and whether she'll want to um, you never know, speak to you again. Never speak to you again. But uh, that's you know, uh, it's probably best to play it safe if if you're worried about that kind of thing. Um, and you know, like you said, uh, is your your trauma theory or circle theory of trauma? Yeah, the ring theory. The ring theory of trauma. She's in the middle ring. It's all mm-hmm. it is. So whatever she needs to do to feel safe and, um, you know, secure is is what she needs to do. And obviously uh, a pickle from last last time would, would, would need to respect that. Um, but no, this is a, it's a huge problem. Revenge porn. Um, I feel like it's gotten better in the last few years. Yeah, because, there's a lot more laws being passed. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the big, like this Pornhub especially would be... Uh, one of the ones that is pretty it, it, it is pretty easy, I think, to take down that material. Um, but uh, that's that's definitely something uh, that that people should always keep in mind mm-hmm. um, because you know because the, the very same attitudes we talked about last week about people feeling uh, having dim views of, of sex work and whatnot, and there being that stigma, uh, it's a huge weapon that you can use for people to to um, abuse their trust in this way. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you don't even have to have a nude. You can just release something out of face and say it is, and then you're still getting that same embarrassment. So, yeah, like catfishing. Uh, yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. So that's uh, something to keep in mind if uh, you're, you're you haven't talked to your colleague yet, pickle. And if yeah, if you got an update on that, uh, I would please. Not, we are dying to know. Would not mind hearing it um, because I think revenge here is correct and that this is potentially a big mess. There aren't any easy s- solutions, you know, um, because like, even when we talked last 
if it's just all in the up and up what it is like it is you know that that is a risk that that the person's taken and it's a risk to t- the to broach that topic with all that in mind and all that stuff so what did jim say about it on lunch he actually pretty much sang from our hy- uh, hymnal you know um i was really uh impressed with with his answer um it wasn't substantially different from ours and also motherfucker didn't think of the revenge porn angle either nope so we're, we're all guilty we're all three. assholes here over three at swiss bold <laughs> thinking about revenge porn which i don't know may, might speak well of us yeah it might let's move on uh, to our next one weird trick petitioner single black female mm-hmm. she says hi guys i'm turning 40 next week congratulations Happy birthday. life's just beginning as a, as a 44 year old i gotta say <laughs> i gotta say it, it keeps getting better uh, I am an attractive black woman, or at least I think so. You are, girl. Hey, hey if, if that's half the battle. Feeling yeah. attractive and being attractive, it's it's a lot of times one and the same. Mm-hmm. And I'm well-educated. For the past decade, I've dedicated my life to enhancing my career. I went to law school and have uh, eventually moved into a high-level position, which I recently reloc- relocated to last year. I'm also so very socially awkward. I don't know how to, one, create a social circle or sir, social circle. <laughs> what is happening or to meet a potential man with my turning 40 there's also a very real chance that i won't ever have kids Mm -hmm. with this pandemic uh well she didn't say it was a bad thing she's just my maybe this is uh one of the selling features Mm. (laughs) all eggs past past expiration date don't have to you know um, Freeze, freeze them yeah yeah uh, with this pandemic, things have been getting pretty lonely and I don't know what to do. I've been on eHarmony and the app Hinge in the past and I've abs- had absolutely no luck in meeting anyone. Do you guys have any advice on one, creating a social circle in the time of COVID and two, meeting a man? Can I tell an icebreaker? Sure. So when I got back in the market after my divorce in my early 30s, I was casting a pretty big net and I, you know, uh, I find lots of different shapes and sizes and forms of women attractive. So I was, you know, trying to date uh, uh, white girls, uh, Hispanic girls, black girls, Asian girls, whatever. I didn't I didn't discriminate. And uh, I had a zero percent sex sex rate. Zero percent success, success sex rate with the black ladies. Mm. Um, and I had a good a good uh, female black friend at work. Well, like you guys would you couldn't get dates, couldn't get messages. Man, back. I would send messages sometimes I would because you could tell back on OK Cupid whether they even looked at your profile. Mm-hmm. I vanishingly few of them would even look at the profile. Mm. And I had a, a, a black female friend at work that we were pretty close to and talked about, like, you know, not sex stuff, but, you know, we talked about dating and just life and stuff. And she was asking me about how the dating was going. And at that time, I think I was going through a bit of a dry spell. Um, but I was she and she said something about, have you tried dating sisters? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I actually have. And I explained the fact I hadn't gotten anywhere. And I'll never forget. She like, because we were at like this counter, like in the lunchroom, like make, you know, doing our stuff. And she like turned from the counter, fully addressed, dressing me broadside, kind of like looked me up and down and then said, well, boy, you don't got enough flavor. And I'm like, well, what? What? Oh. That's not that's not helpful. Um, so, are you have, hitting on the single? Black have female? you tried? Have you tried dating a sour cream mayonnaise white boy? Is what I'm trying to get down <laughs> to. 
uh, some boring ass, no flavor. Desperate might, dude. You might need to bring some sriracha or like a, one of the spare flavor packets from the, the ramen noodles deal. But like, have you tried? No. Um, oh, you know what? Take Dr. Cynthia's advice. Go to the Home Depot at 8 a.m. and find <laughs> a contractor to bring home. Yeah. Tell them you got you get your dishwasher's broke and you need you need help with a belt or a tube or something and, and see what happens. At the very least, you'll find Aaron there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because I'll be trying to hit on the contractors, too, apparently. Um, OK. So having said all that, um, the question is, do you have any advice on uh, creating a social circle in the time of COVID? That's that's really tricky because yeah. I feel like the and, and it's also really tricky not knowing where you live and like, you know, whether it's like a, more of a big city or a small town or a suburb or like right. what part of the country, because like all this, the game is kind of different depending on where you're at. Right. Or what type of person you're even looking for. Um but uh, creating a social circle in the time of COVID is tough because, like, I feel like the type of people that want that you would want to create a social circle with are probably the type of people that are not wanting to create a social circle in the time of COVID. Um, yeah. But I that's guess- not to say that, like, there aren't safe outdoor activities like... Um, you know, like, like, what are you into that's outdoorsy? And if you're not in anything outdoorsy, could you like maybe try, the, you know, hiking right. or or just or, find something like interest specific, and maybe you can have yeah, cycling, uh, running. Maybe you can join a like a D and D group that meets all online or bocce ball, yeah, tennis, or a, a book club. Because then you did, Soul Cycle moved outside. I saw that. I saw that. They're one step to just riding bicycles. One step away from just riding fucking bicycles. Um, but like it, the, the, the thing is, is like, what do you enjoy doing that is reasonably safe in COVID? And then search uh, for that thing. Uh, again, I keep saying that, like, um, especially if you live in a bigger city, and I include like l- literally any metro area as a big city. Um, the subreddits for those towns are great resources. So like once you find like, okay, well, I, I want to go cycling. Then the next question is, Hey, is there a cycling club around? You just post to r slash wherever the fuck you live. And is there any good uh, cycling places? Or is there a cycle group or what? And, and, you know, uh, because it, a lot of times it's hard to find that like really specific stuff. Like if you just Google, yeah. um, but like the, the, the people, that are participating in the Reddit, like know all that stuff. Yeah. And a lot of times they're only too happy, um, you know, uh, to, to, to volunteer that information. Um, you know, I know there's like a, like meetup.com. Um, I don't know if that's still going on or if there's a site that's replaced it, but that kind of stuff is really good too. Uh, look for, um, you know, if, if, if you're in, a, again, if you're in a city, if there's like uh, your local zine, is there any upcoming events that are outdoors that look interesting to you that you could go and mingle? But really, I think it's a socially awkward thing. And that's something that um, is, I think it's, it's, you're probably higher percentage working on that. Like, you know, what is it about you that's socially awkward? Um and you know, I, 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 I had a, a couple of beginner, a series. I don't know if, how long you've been listening to the podcast, but I've had um, a series of beginners like, you know, how can you um, get less socially awkward or how can you start conversations? And it's all about like basic stuff, you know, making eye contact, um, you know, talking with people. Um, but, you know, I, I do know that um, it's a common stereotype that attractive well-educated women with experience and success and career, you are like 
if you're over if you're over like five foot ten, that's <laughs> checks off all the things for things that intimidate the fuck out of men. Yeah. Um, and that's not fair. It's not cool. But like, no. if you're an exceptional person, um, I think you have to kind of maybe get in for the like like you, you don't want to settle right and it sounds like you are an exceptional person so you're gonna have to find an exceptional person that like you know you don't want somebody that is going to not be uh able to hang in a relationship right you don't want to mm-hmm. settle for someone who's like the first guy that's not intimidated by your looks and your experience and your career and your intelligence um you know because maybe he's just a dummy he's, yeah. he doesn't see the danger that he's getting himself into. Um, but, but yeah, I, th- I think the high percentage play here is to, you know, get out and meet people, um, work on the social skills. And if you want to write back and say like, specifically, what are the things you have trouble with social skills? I can, I can try to help you. Cause again, I, I used to be a disaster. I was raising a fucking cult and I turned into this. Uh, and, and it was, it was a man. I got it. One of these days I got to do a live stream where I show like fucking junior high pictures of me or high, Cause I was a real law. I was a real ugly mm. duckling lost cause uh, backwards as hell. And I, I've, I've somehow made it work, but, but I, I, I need a little bit more to, to, to go on. Oh, um, what do you, what do you got for thoughts? I'm uh, just looking at meetup.com here. There's a yes, I am shy group. I mean, it's, it looks like they're catered to all the everything you could possibly want. Cincinnati witches and pagans. Ooh, see, I, I loved meetup divorce um, groups. I, I I did. I I I used that until I found a good um you know because I lost my whole friend and family circle in like one fell swoop about twelve years ago, and I used that to like hey you know I I like to play board games. Found a board game group. I like to um you know go kayaking canoeing. Found a group to do that. Like uh, it's just about anything that you it, you got to get up the gumption to go and um. You know, and some things like I, that's another thing is uh, some groups I think are more accommodating for awkward people. Like, mm-hmm. for example, board game groups. Yeah. Uh, stereotypically, a lot of board uh, people that are into board games are shy and socially awkward. Um, less so nowadays, but that, that you know, if you if, if, if that's a hobby that kind of uh, you're interested in um, and kind of fits your social interaction style, that mm-hmm. might be something. Cincinnati Knitting Group. Meet at Starbucks for caffeine fueled crafting. These ladies are gonna get wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think those are some. Uh, there's some really great suggestions. I think we should let's get more info. Let's see how the Home Depot thing works out first, and then I will say that like um, eHarmony um, is. I never had success with that. Yeah, I just because it's like is OK Cupid even still a thing? No, I did look OK Cupid still a thing. Uh, uh, like because eHarmony had this, it just felt like everyone is desperate to get married, married. yesterday. It's for like people, you know, um, especially this line. age range. You're going to run into that a lot, where people are like, oh god, I gotta. Um, and uh, it just didn't suit me. I really loved OK Cupid, and I thought there again, it's been. 10 plus years it's been it's been three years since i've no it's been 10 plus years <laughs> since i've been on okay cupid but i used to really like their algorithms and the way that they would 
you know, tease that information and give you some compatibility. And I'll stand by that, you know, this is this is back again, this is old info, but in, unless they've substantially changed, um, I never went on a date with someone that I was like 75% compatible with and had anything less than a good time. Hmm. Like, it, you not know, always had attraction there, mm-hmm. but like I wound up with a lot of good friends that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wound up with a lot of perfectly acceptable lovers. I wound up with my current wife mm. uh, off of off of OKCupid. So I really like that site. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll speak out of turn for Jim. Uh, Jim's had a lot of success on that, including his, his current, current wife. wife. So we have three very satisfied customers. And that was more recent three? than my experience. Yeah, Who's- you... Who's hello? the other person who? <laughs> you hello? Are you four? I guess. Uh, yeah. Alexis. Are you saying yeah. Alexis is not a satisfied <laughs> no. customer? <laughs> no, she was. Uh, she was actually. Uh, we can't speak on her behalf. She was actually a bot <laughs> <laughs> that had real information, uh, which makes sense for Jim to get yeah, involved with a with, an, with a robot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? What do you got? That's it. That's all I got. Home Depot. Home Depot. Home Depot and uh, uh, eHarmony. Meetups.com. Not eHarmony. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Uh, Home Depot <laughs> and OKCupid. Those are the two okay worst Cupid. suggestions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And good luck. And congratulations on being a successful, yeah, attractive... Like- 40 year old woman yeah should be have much to be proud of yeah and you uh yeah just don't like be patient don't settle going for going for the long haul make sure you get you got you you want to you want a quality person not just a person i mean unless you're just looking to you know if you're looking to pound and get pounded then then <laughs> just throw all that stuff and just go out there and mix it up have fun but honestly you know but don't you settle s- yeah don't settle, don't settle down don't settle and settle down but yeah, you seem like the kind of person who's off, who's also like financially stable. So mm-hmm. there are lots of options for having kids past 40. You know, like I wasn't joking earlier when I talked about freezing your eggs and sure. just, you know, you can always use a surrogate or an Adopt. ad- adoption, mm-hmm. you know, there's all kinds of options. So I got a slightly used 14 year old that, you know, I could, I could, uh, <laughs> it's got a few Got a few dings. Got it, but he got some quality years to so he turns into an adult. You know, maybe we can make a deal. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, I if if you want to send back some more information like uh, like um, location and stuff, uh, ASL ASL um, any any particular social uh dynamic problems you have you have deal with uh, that, that that you're having trouble with and uh, yeah the date awkward white boys. <laughs> Uh, that's that's always an option. <laughs> or there might be some nuggets of goodness somewhere in there. I'll yeah. leave it up to you to parse that. I hope I hope we helped, or at least maybe made you smile. Or didn't hurt. <laughs> didn't hurt. Yeah, didn't didn't actively damage damage you in, in giving this advice. That's the goal um, here. That's what we try. That's the the high bar that we try to clear here at one weird trick. Yeah, the high bar. All right, that's all we've got this week. Aaron will be back next week for another three right turns, and we will be back again in two weeks for another one weird trick. If you have any feedback for us, have any requests for weird tricks, you can email us at owt at com. Uh, you can also tell us how wrong we are about certain subjects. That's fine, too. Sure. We're on all the social medias at swizzbold as well. While you're at it, treat yourself to something nice at com. You can get our logo on literally anything. Maybe not literally. Just, you know, enjoy yourself. That's the way to get a man's attention. <laughs> you come up with a Swizzbold shirt. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's a brand that, that draws the eye. 
Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. We could not do this without you. You can also become a patron if you are not already at patreon.com slash swizzbolt. I especially want to thank all of our Fred Level patrons by name. Angelo Morano, Arvind Rao, Brandon DeVito, Byron Rasmussen, George P. Burdell, Greg Rasp, James Taylor, Jared Harrelman. Gosh, it's getting harder as I go. <laughs> Jenny, Lisa Singleton, Jordan Hoyt, Kira Grusho, Laura Luthi, Mark Hahn, and David Satterley. Satterley? So sorry for missing you on our last episode, Dave, but welcome to the club. Welcome to the Fred level. <laughs> Also, I we are coming up very soon on our uh, our, our Patreon only uh, live stream of the month, and uh, all Patreon people are welcome. I don't we don't have the date set for that yet, and we're recording this in advance. Uh, but please go to Patreon.com/swizzbold. Depending on what level it is, you know, you can contribute topics and stuff, but the post and all that stuff will be on patreon.com slash swizzbold. So uh, check that out. But it is coming up in the first two weeks of October. All right. We'll see you guys there live and in living color. <laughs> <laughs>